0: Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today has been working in the fitness industry for over 12 years. Growing up, sports and fitness were always a huge part of his life, and after completing high school, he decided to enter the industry as a personal trainer and coach, and it was from there that his journey began. During the first part of his career, he worked with many gyms, developing and honing his coaching skills and knowledge. However, he was always frustrated by the way some gyms were training people, and always had a dream of opening his own gym so he could train people in the way that he always believed was best. That opportunity came back in 2016 when he opened Base 3 Gym that focuses on taking a holistic approach to fitness with functional fitness at its core. During this episode, we discuss his journey working as a coach and the fitness industry in the UAE. He shares with us his experience in the process of opening and running a gym. And we talk about the importance of taking a holistic approach to fitness, the key factors that play into it, and taking care of our health. His experience working in the industry for so long has enabled him to create a community and build a gym that has become one of the top rated gyms in the UAE. His passion and desire to help others achieve their fitness goals have been the key factors that have contributed to his success. And so always remember that there's a lot more to fitness than simply just working out in the gym. Please welcome to the show, the owner and founder of Base3 Gym, the
1: awesome Mr. Craig Harriman.
2: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today?
1: Very good. It's... Uh Good to be on the receiving end of the questions. Yeah. asking the
2: questions for <laughs> a change? Yeah, I was actually on uh, one podcast recently. The episode hasn't come out yet, but it was such a different, such a different experience because the host usually you want to like manage the conversation, but it's fun to sometimes just sit back and you know, yeah, meet, uh, like answering questions. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. So it's awesome. So Craig, uh, me and you met thanks to our good friend Tarek. Tarek who really? was actually he was actually here earlier. so oh, no way. Yeah, we were talking about it, and he gave me some more insight into yourself and your background. Nice, but. Before we get into all the gym related stuff, why don't you give everyone a little bit of background about yourself yep. and we'll take it from there.
1: Uh, so I've been in the UAE for 17 years. I moved here when I was still in school, Went to moved over with my family, um, left school, got straight into the fitness industry and I've been in the fitness industry in the UAE now for 13 years and that's years. all I've done, just fitness my whole life. We grew up on fitness and it just kind of came the natural path for me to get into as a, as a career. And then uh, opened a gym that I'm currently running now is Base Three. We own a gym down in JLT, which is a strength and fitness. Uh, I, I can't say classes; a, a training sessions based program that we run out of JLT. Okay, and that's currently what I'm doing now.
2: Interesting. So you mentioned you. So you grew up here for the last little, the last part of your life, mm. and then you were, have always been passionate about fitness. Where does that come from? Is it your family? Has always been really sporty. Or-
1: yes, my my, uh, my dad was in the in the military, and we. Literally grew up following him around the gym, so we'd be like little kid, like ten year old, following around doing circuits in the garage and stuff. So we oh, just really? literally grew up on fitness. We used to go running with him on family holidays and stuff. So it was just being ingrained into us since we can. My brother's a personal trainer here. I own a gym here. My wife's uh well, she didn't grow up with that, but it's just in our family it's just always been something that we've always done yeah yeah um and i and it became a thing for me it became very satisfying and very rewarding to give that to other people like i just grew up on like how fast can i run now how much weights can i lift Or how many pull-ups can you do and just always the challenge of being involved in in trying to push yourself with fitness with fitness yeah. and then it just turned into a, a very natural progression for me to get in for a career
2: sure no that makes perfect sense so it's kind of like in your dna from, yeah, from the early days from yeah. the early days And uh, so when you went to university, were you studying anything fitness related or what did you do uh, when you went to university? I didn't go to
1: uni, finished school, um, did my certificate in exercise science, which was just like a college course and yeah. did that and then just got straight into to working and opened the second the second ever fitness first in the uae back in like 2000 it must have been six or seven no way we we're part of the team that opened that one there was only one so there, were, there weren't many gyms here when we when we first got into training here there was like nothing man there was a couple of fitness firsts had just opened up and the type of training that we do now which is best described as crossfit training mm. didn't exist yeah there were not like there was no rings or bars or coaches or anything we just kind of self-taught and I did this. It took me a year to get my certificate in personal training, and within like literally three weeks of working in a gym, I learned more in those three weeks from hands-on experience than I did from the the, the course, course itself. Yeah, man.
2: Yeah. And so, were you? So, you want? Did you want to always start as a coach? Was that always the the progression that you wanted, or did you have other ideas once you once you started entering the industry?
1: So. <laughs> When I was a kid, all I wanted to do was join the military, just follow my dad's footsteps. I just wanted to join the Marines. And then when I turned 16, ironically, I failed the fitness test to get into the military. And there was more to it than that. I think it was like a psychological thing. I didn't actually want to be there. I was intimidated by the experience, whatever. So then I left and I was 16. I was like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. So I came back to Dubai and had like a couple weeks off where I just sulked and wondered what I was going to do with myself. And then my old man found this course like, oh, well, why do you look at getting to fitness? I was kind of, oh, yeah, I don't know. So I did the course, like loved it, loved the experience, loved learning about the anatomy and the physiology and all the kind of the basics and just getting into it and then got my first job. And like I said, from there, it was just like, this is really fun. I get to hang out in the gym all day. I get to train pretty much whenever I want. And then that evolved into learning more about fitness and then understanding, again, the satisfaction of how to help other people as well.
2: Sure. now that makes that makes perfect sense. But I want to come back to that point about trying to enter the, the military mm. and from a fitness perspective, could you give us just a little idea of what that kind of test looks like? Because <laughs> it sounds, it must be super intense.
1: So I literally fell at the first hurdle. So you go in and the, if, if you can picture it we were all like 16 year old kids and um everyone's super nervous going in and i got warned beforehand from multiple multiple people said to me "Is like so what my dad did in the military he was a pti a physical training instructor okay so all the guys that were instructors taking these kids through the courses now were the kids that my dad took through these courses no when way. they were kids oh wow so he's like, just warning you, it's going to be rough. It's- I was like, yeah, whatever, I'm fair, I can handle it. And then the first thing, with all these like nervous kids like in their ties, it's like the first job interview. And I was sitting in this room, was like 30 guys were in there. And this uh, corporal, he points at me and said, you stand up. And I've not spoke to the guy yet, and he says, stand up. And um, so I stand up, was like, me, corporal. He's like, yeah, and he goes, what's your name? I said, oh, Craig Harriman. He's like, I fucking you, sit down. <laughs> and then... Um, after that just the whole weekend it's just like they were making an example of me it's just like your dad this your dad would never do this and da, 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 <laughs> and this made it really hard for me they were just trying to break me
2: of course yeah
1: and i i was fit enough i could have done the test and the test that i failed on was um a three mile run and there was a very strict time cap and you had to have it done by like 21 minutes or something so i was running i missed the cut off by 30 seconds Ooh. and I and they said you can stay and finish the weekend if you want but you can't pass the course by the end and for me it was just like this massively devastating experience because I'd put so much time training into it and I'd been doing the training the summer in Dubai and I knew I could hit the times on the run and I knew it was good but on the day just the pressure of being in that environment I realized that I wanted to do this my whole life but I never knew what it was I wanted to do no. so when you go in there and you immerse yourself in this environment and it's in the camp and all these like soldiers are shouting at you and stuff like this is like I don't want to do this yeah And I got to the run and I, and I, at the time I didn't realize that's what it was. And I just went out on the run and there was like a guy in front of me, he was slow and he was like tripping me and I got all in my own head and da, da, da. And anyway, just like failed on this run. And then afterwards, like years later, like reflect on it, I realized it was, I didn't actually want to be there. It's just this thing that I grew up and I never had a plan B and it was my plan. It was like, just go join the military. That's all I'm going to do. Yeah. And I just didn't enjoy it when I got there. Like I said, that was like a reflection after, like years later. I was just like, that was why. It wasn't because you were slow or because you were unfit. It was just like, you just didn't want it bad enough.
2: Yeah. If you, yeah, probably if you did, you would have been able to like hit that run on that day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, and, what I hate about hindsight, it's always twenty twenty. Like yeah, when you man. look back, you figure out, like, oh, that now I know why exactly <laughs> that failed, or <clears throat> excuse me, that didn't work out, and so on.
1: And then looking at it now, is the experiences I've had since then. Had I gone into the military, my life would be completely different. Now I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have the business that I earn now. It's just I'm much better off. I'm happier the way it worked out for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you seem happier. Yeah. <laughs> you seem a lot happier the way it worked out. So I'm glad it, glad it worked out the way it did. Um, I wanted to ask you because. Fitness is a very general term, yep. right? And I think everyone has a different perception or a different idea of what that means. So in your words, how would you describe fitness to someone? Let's say I'm a new guy. I'm like, yep. I want to get fit. What does that mean?
1: So we, well, what we do or what we believe our definition of fitness is, is, is movement, it's lifestyle, it's um, uh, mindset. It's your all the, um, uh, what's the one I'm looking for? all the holistic approaches to fitness as well is the training we do in the gym is fairly difficult but that's just an hour of your day so we facilitate training and we facilitate hard work and we facilitate the opportunities for people to make progress with their fitness But then outside of that as well is you've got to consider like what's your sleep patterns like what's your nutrition like um how are you de-stressing enough from work and take all these other facts into consideration and that's what we try and, and the message we try and relay with base three is that yeah, is we want to be like a lot of gyms say it's the best hour of your day. Come in, like, have the best hour of your day. There, we want to be the best thing about that person's life we want to improve people's mm. life by affecting them in other areas as well and the fitness industry itself is this huge thing and there's so many options you've got different types of classes like personal training um, running clubs, cycling hiking all these different things and going to the gyms actually a very small piece of that like what we do and the fitness industry's huge circle is well like if it's a pie chart like a very small piece of that pie chart and within that very small piece the type of training we we'll do we're one of like a thousand gyms that do a very similar thing so the training itself is a very small part of it and it's not really unique what we try and differentiate ourselves how we try and differentiate ourselves is the care and attention that we put into um the other areas as well making sure people do you have goals what are your goals are you achieving your goals we want to make sure making the progress you want to be you want to be making as well and not just come to the gym and do whatever we say Mm. and we had this conversation with all our coaches before it's like why are we different what's different from us and all the other gyms it's like we genuinely care like we really we have team meetings and we talk about oh this person's not in the gym this week because he hurt his ankle or this person we know is away for two weeks and all these factors that we care about the rest of people's life as well so uh, that kind of doesn't answer your question entirely but i just think for us is we want to look at fitness as a a full picture not just like that hour of gym going to the gym
2: yeah and i think that's a very interesting point that you mentioned because for me for example i've been training for now for the last few years and i always so i've been as consistent as i can be going to the gym four times a week but what you said really resonated with me because it's the all those other areas that i think I've been either lacking, or I'm not paying enough attention to, you know, yeah. things like sleep, things like nutrition, and when you go to the gym and you put in a good workout, you feel like, yeah, I feel like I've done enough. But over, maybe at the beginning, when you're first starting, you'll see really big results. Yeah. But when you've been consistent for some time, you start to realize that that's not gonna that's not gonna cut it anymore.
1: Yeah, we call them the newbie gains when you're yeah, new exactly. to it. You get you start making massive progress towards the start.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So how do you start? I guess influencing people and helping them in the more in those in the other areas how do you how do you because like you said the gym's a small part so you can come into the gym you can have your workout so what do you do what's the work you do outside of that training that you can start helping people be consistent and achieving the goals
1: a lot of it's just conversations it's asking people what it is you want because most people will come to the gym with a goal and a lot of gyms won't if you're working one-on-one you'd always expect the trainer to be like what is it you're working towards why have you come here how can we help you but then with group fitness is kind of just turn up here's your hour of training see you tomorrow is having the conversations. so our like sign-up process is very important for us to have the conversations with people is just like well, what is it you're looking to achieve or why is that important to you engage that and then try and guide them on that way because if someone comes in like yeah I really, I really want to lose body fat for example um Cool, you, you're committing to doing five hours of training a week, you've fixed your diet, but then their sleep patterns, horrendous. That will be limiting from achieving their goals. And until you have that conversation, they're never going to understand. And they might not understand because we'll have the conversation and be like, well, you're only having like three hours sleep a night. You're probably going to not be able to hit that goal. Even if you train really hard and eat really well, you're probably going to still miss the target. And people don't know that all these other factors play such a big part in making progress in the gym. So, yeah, it's having the conversations and then the other one is creating the accountability. Like if I ask you what limits you from being able to achieve or or what would you define success in your goals? Like When would we achieve that? And then you say, well, I would, when I've lost like 10 kgs, that'll be me. I'll be happy. Cool. In order to do that for the next like X amount of months, we need to do this, that, this, that, that. And like put that back on you and you've got to do it but I'm going to check in and make sure you're accountable right. is that's yeah. a great way to do it is people need accountability and a lot of people are very self-motivated and can kind of like have this goal and then be fixed on it and they can make those make the progress themselves but having someone there to guide you and check in mm. even if it's not being like very dual side it's just like hey man how's that going or, or knowing that you've got to check in with someone just having the accountability will be, go a long way.
2: Yeah so having being able to it sounds like from what you're saying is creating as personable a relationship as possible with your clients to help ensure that they reach the success that they want to achieve um and because you know how a lot of times let's say we i came to the gym i mean you're working together i want to lose five kilos fine you put in we put in a program i lose those kilos this is the thing that i find I, i guess more difficult or interesting is i can achieve that goal but now i've achieved that goal how do i start making ensuring that this is my n- new way of life do you understand what i mean to yeah. make, to keep that consistent because you can achieve a goal and then in a month's time with just losing all those habits you can easily go back to where you started
1: for sure it's like when someone uh like wins olympic gold medal what yeah. the next day is like you've had people say heard it uh athletes say it before it's like the most depressing day of their life is the day afterwards because exactly. they're like oh got the goal like what now and obviously losing like five kg is not going to be as overwhelming as that but i think you need to connect to why the goal is important and you can have a goal but that's like a kind of a small training objective and all small goals are uh, training objectives that are going to take you towards your bigger why yes and then when someone understands their why their reasons for committing to staying fit and healthy, or staying in shape is so, so much more powerful so uh, the example for me is I used to train when I was young, I used to train because I wanted to post on social media to show people that I'm a good coach. Cause if I can do this for myself, if I can get really strong or I can do this many reps of a certain movement. People are going to respect me as a, as a coach and a trainer and will come and train with me. Yeah. And I realized cause then I'd have a bad training day and it's fine cause I could just not post it. And it didn't happen. Doesn't matter. And it was, a ve- and then I had no motivation or no reason to go to the gym and work hard the next day. Yeah, and it was a very shallow motivation. And then I started working more people. When I opened our gym, we, for me, my motivation for training became. Um, I am going to ask these people to work really hard and do things that are going to make them uncomfortable and if I'm going to ask people to do that I have to I be can. able to show them that of I'm course. doing and willing to do it myself and then for me when I realized that it's very powerful motivation so it doesn't matter for me whether my goal is to like run this distance in this time or lift this much weight or commit to whatever program it is that if I say I'm going to do it and I'm going to ask other people to do it then I'm going to have to prove myself and do it and for me that's a very powerful reason so I think getting people to understand why they want that goal, and like it could be something like I want to lose body fat. Why do you want to lose body fat? And they might be um, not have much confident taking their shot off at the beach or they may uh, feel like it would improve their relationship with their spouse if they look better and that's going to be a much more powerful reason if you can get someone to unlock that to keep them focused on working towards the goals
2: yeah i think what you said is so true about the why and the motivation for why you're doing this why are you getting up why are you going to the gym why are you putting in all this work to get that and because i think like you said it creates an emotional response Mm. like an emotional motivation and emotion is what i think drives all of us and then whatever goals sorry we're we're trying to achieve yeah so in your experience working with you know clients and so on what seems to be the most challenging thing or the big thing that people tend to fail at the most because i think you can be consistent but maybe is it developing that right mindset yeah is is that, that i think that could be it
1: yeah i think that's a lot of it and and again what we said earlier about understanding the benefits of the outside stuff and, and putting as much importance on the outside stuff as the inside stuff is, um, I can't remember who the, the, the famous coach is who talks about it. And I will kill me when I remember later, but working working out and then working in is working on your inside, your, your mindset and all that stuff outside the gym. So like we said, get enough sleep, eating enough food. And I think people who have hurdles and setbacks and don't commit to programs and don't commit to workout plans, it's because they're not seeing the progress um, so then other areas like say if I'm not sleeping I'm not going to be improving my performance and then because I'm not improving performance they put it down to the gym or they're not working out or the program's not working so they change to something else versus committing to the hard work and staying focused on the program and and giving it enough time to see change and then improving these other areas of their life as well that'd probably be the biggest one and I think a lot of that comes from again people not understanding is as fitness professionals you know well this matters this matters this matters whereas if you're just going to the gym like what I'm working out why is it not working and not taking on those other facts into consideration
2: yeah so like you said the other factors seem to play a much bigger role than just you know being able to come to the gym and be consistent with with all that training yeah what was your i guess because you started out working as a personal trainer you worked Mm -hmm. at that for a while so was your motivation or was the dream to always build the gym or how did how did all that come together
1: yeah i got um i had a piece of paper i think i still got it which i wrote on in 2010 As one of my goals was to own my own gym and okay. I still had it. And I found it when we opened the gym. I found this piece of paper. I'm pretty sure I've still got it. Um, the I always did want to own my own gym. And I think it was it comes from whenever I've worked in gyms previously, I've always been limited by, like, the hours of operation or the type of equipment. Or there's always something that stops me from being able to train people the way I wanted to train people. So I'm like, whatever, I own my own space. I can do whatever I want in that space. And I've worked in great gyms before, but maybe, like, they didn't have access to this, like, we couldn't run at certain times, or we couldn't uh, do sled pushes, or the pull-up bar was too short, or something. I'm like, well, if I think this is the right way to train, I'm going to create the right environment. And again, that was all those all physical examples. But then, even just having the creating my own space in terms of the environment of having people that want to train and want to work really hard um, in a very motivational and secure environment, a safe place for people to come and push themselves, is when I thought about opening a gym, that's what I really wanted to create and that's what I envisioned. Like when I own my own space, it's gonna be a space that people are gonna love and come and throw down and have a great time doing it. And I've always wanted to uh, to have that and I still wanna like I own a gym now and in my when I retire I want to retire and have my own gym which people can come and train at and that's always the goal of me just to have my own training space.
2: Yeah. So you wanted to create the gym so you could fully finally train people in the way that you envisioned was the best way for people to train. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's interesting.
1: And then base three came about. Um we me and my wife were actually leaving. We we met here, we got married here. We were here for a couple of years, decided to move to New Zealand, she's from New Zealand. And uh as we were packed up, literally put all of our belongings into a storage container ready to ship. And a couple of guys from the previous gym I was working at, they didn't believe that we were leaving, like, yo, are you actually leaving? We're like, Yeah, we're leaving, we're gonna be gone in three months, da 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 and then they said, oh, what if we put some funds together and you stayed and um, opened this opportunity. We like the way you train. We don't want you to go. We don't want to train with someone else. We could set up our own thing and you can stay and do it. So, um, then raised some capital to open a gym and that ended up becoming what we've got right now. Oh, wow. Mm. That was, a quick, that was Literally. a quick switch. Yeah, and we were so focused and we were set. We were looking at, we were going to go back to New Zealand to open our own gym like a small space. We were already looking at like things on like the equivalent of property finder in New Zealand and trying to find a spot for us. And then, then and then we we decided to stay. And we're like, okay, we'll open a small facility. It'd be like a couple of years, and and then we'll head on with our journey. And then now we're like on our fourth year now. And we ended up <laughs> with a big facility, and we've got a big membership base, and and it's just grown into this thing, which is great. And it's but the the stress of being a business owner in buyer, obviously, is yeah, yeah. You've got to ride that wave.
2: Yeah, you definitely have to ride that wave. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I realized uh, during quarantine, and I spoke about this with another uh, fitness coach on the podcast, was. You know how um, you could like uh, either rent some weights, you know, mm. from the gyms just, you know, because you can't work out at the gym and stuff like that. So I was looking. I'm like, let me go buy some weights. And in my mind, I'm like, how expensive is it? would it be to buy a 25 kilo pla- plate of iron? In my mind, it didn't make like it was nothing. Then I was looking like there's some companies oh, that dude. it's like 1500 for like a 125 kilo plate. Crazy. I'm like, what's going on? So how was the... What was your thinking behind like when you 're opening the gym, the type of equipment you needed? how was mm. that experience of actually opening that gym
1: it was we were very fortunate i 've heard okay. horror stories of people like being delayed three six, nine, twelve months um and it 's more not based on the actual physical setting up it 's more like licensing and, and held ups there so we were very fortunate we opened. Three months after the date we originally decided we were going to open, so that's not too much of a delay. I've heard people like were eight months, twelve months, so we were very fortunate. Um, the things that were were hard, like the equipment ordering, the equipment itself wasn't the most expensive thing. The type of gym we've got is very free weight based mm-hmm. and a lot of open space so there's not too much equipment in there that wasn't the hardest part to swallow the hardest part to swallow was like all the small things they sting you with so it's like oh you've got to go and do an acoustic test and that's going to cost you 10,000 dirhams i'm like what's an acoustic test it's oh it tests vibrations in the building like sure then these guys say okay now you've got to spend like 30,000 dirhams more on your flooring and stuff but then it all comes from the governing body that says you have to do it they happen to know a guy that does that service that you need and they're the only person you can use so it's just like the mm. the kind of monopoly of dubai is that's the thing that gets you here but i in terms of like i was surprised how much equipment the price of equipment went up over lockdown because yeah. it obviously became high demand exactly so there was like dumbbells on amazon for like 10 times the price they usually go for it was crazy
2: yeah it's it was it was crazy and i just started thinking because i'm of the gyms that I've been to and that I go to, I'm like, how? And I look around now at equipment, and I just see like dollar signs everywhere. Like, yeah. how much must all of this have yeah.
1: cost? Yeah, well, We we went kind of like, um, so anything big in terms of like pull-up rigs and stuff, we got yeah. manufactured here. Nice. Uh, and then a lot of the the, the like kind of branded stuff that you would use, you can source. It was it wasn't difficult to set up to get the equipment. Okay, that wasn't too bad. That wasn't
2: too bad. Okay. One thing that um that I was thinking about, I think with any business or particularly in a gym is putting the right team together to make this successful. So, oh, yeah. So how did you think about, because I said you mentioned that it was a couple of people that you were working with or like had worked with in the past and they were the ones who were like, let's set up a gym together. Mm-hmm. So how did you go about building that team? What does that team look like now? Walk us through that.
1: Yeah, We so you when you listen to like, stories of people forming teams is you always want to they always say the same things like make sure it's a person you get along well with make sure it's the right fit for the for the team or the right person for the job versus finding someone who's got the right skills you always want to hire good people yeah we've always done that we've always like whenever we've interviewed people or we've brought coaches into the team they've always been a great fit for the team and got along really well and just felt like they were the right person for the job and then as the as it goes you understand that or maybe they're the right person but then they're their skill set's not what we need right now. And uh, we need to evolve or, or move on. And you have we've had a higher turnover of coaches than we ever thought we would. Okay. And I think that just comes from us growing and developing. We're, we're still a really young company and still finding our way and, and being like, well, this is something we used to really believe in, which isn't as important to us, or this isn't something we realized was so important to us. So then trying to evolve the team to a point where it, everyone is gelling and everyone's vibing with your values and everyone's on the same page is difficult. Yeah, for sure. And I, I can't remember who said it. And it was like, it's a 50-50 chance whether you get the right person for the job. And I'm sure that goes for all industries. Is like when you yeah. you hire someone, it's just like they're either going to be a rock star and they're going to fit exactly with you or it's going to be like, oh, this person's not quite right. Yeah. And then the whole like hire slow and make them... Um, Jump through as many hoops as possible to make sure they're the right fit. You almost feel guilty doing it because you've got this great coach with a lot of potential, and you're like, "Oh, can you do this? And please send me this." And now you've got to do this, and you make mm. them jump for all these hoops. Yeah. But then eventually you need to, right? Because if you're going to go through all the effort of bringing someone on and going through that process, you have to make sure they're the right fit for the team.
2: Now, 100. percent And in your so uh in your in your gym, what does the interview process kind of look like? Are you looking for, like you said, I think personality is super important. Are they going to gel with the team? Cause, I think at the end of the day, you're people working with people. So you want to work with people that you like and that yeah. can get along. Um, but also, I think particularly with fitness and because it's the body and, you know, injuries and training people in the right way, qualifications are also important. So mm. walk us through what that interview process looks like. And what do you tend to, what would you give more leeway to? Okay, you don't have all the qualifications I need, but you seem to be a really good person that can maybe develop them. Or is it sometimes you like you need someone that's that specific?
1: I mean, there's the like the prerequisite qualifications. You have to have some... Uh, Qualification legally just to be ensured to do the work So there's like the minimum requirement of like a PT level one Which is just like entry-level PT Just so they've got a basic understanding of movement um, but that's really not important to us like we don't care if you've got the right qualifications it's your experience <clears throat> excuse me and then your people skills is far more important and the last couple of coaches we've hired is we've hired them because we've asked them what their strengths were and they were like oh it's my people skills and they're great coaches with a lot of potential um, but it's just their ability to interact with people like I said it's a person industry so how well you can communicate with someone and as I was saying earlier is probably the most important thing for us is how we can have that good conversation with someone to make sure every everyone understands what that person wants whereas you could be the most experienced coach of all the pieces of paper but you may not have be able to have a conversation or when we do group training so to be able to stand in front of a room and command the respect of 15 people in a very loud environment is also very difficult so you need to be quite a charismatic person of course so definitely the people skills over the qualifications
2: yeah so people skills tend to be the first thing for sure for sure yeah, yeah.
1: and and Uh, like you said is you can teach someone the skills but if that person's not the right fit for the team it's never going to work yeah and I i find with training and especially the environment we try to create is one of our values is better every day and having a growth mindset to always be willing to learn and being humble enough to know that you have to learn more and trying to make sure everyone within the team is in a learning environment and contributing towards that learning environment so we're all growing together and that's not necessarily just fitness stuff either that's like um your own personal development and your own people skills and trying to grow that way too
2: yeah 100 percent. and i actually i wrote that down that you know better every damn day because that's uh, so there's a book that i read called uh, atomic habits yeah by james 1%. clear one percent every yeah. day and that's like my thing on linkedin's when i said when i saw that i'm like okay we think me, yeah. me and greg think the same way because sure. it's like you said it's super important not just from a professional career perspective it's also from a personal perspective that you want to just improve every day and learn from others so how has the gym from day one till now we're like four or three four years later you said down the line now how has been like the evolution of the gym what have been the biggest changes that you've seen is it how how do you felt the beginning how do you see it now yeah
1: uh i mean Everything you think is important, not everything, but most things you think are really important when you start and you and you, you go through is like, we have got this process, like, damn, we've done this. We know exactly how this is going to happen. didn't even matter or you didn't even use that. Or all ideas you have at the start where it's like, we want to do this and we want to do this. They're great ideas, but you just realize that when you open up is your time is pulled in so many different directions that things that you think would be really important, you can just have to dismiss and put to the wayside. Like one thing we really wanted to do, and we're a very small team and we always have been, is have like, um, printouts that we can give out monthly for, like, nutrition advice or mm. uh, tips on stretching or mobility work and just have handouts that people can just take one and it's a read. And we thought, yeah, that would be a super easy thing to create every month. But then when you think about it, like, yeah, you've got a template, but someone's got to create all that information every month and we're a very skeleton team. It's like that became a thing that's a nice to have but not so important. Yeah. But when we were opening, like, this was one of our main things <laughs> that we were going to spend time on. So, yeah. And then it becomes – now it's, it's the importance of um, – having procedures and policies in place so if you onboard someone and you have all like a man you can say cool go and read this and then come back and we can start your onboarding yeah realize that's more important and all the exciting stuff like writing programs for people and teaching classes is we're actually pretty good at that we don't need to put a lot of time and effort into nurturing that we're terrible business owners because we come from a fitness background Mm. and that was the thing when these guys approached me to open the gym i was like yeah i can do that for sure we had this whole plan and then i realized that I got offered this position or the opportunity that I've got now because they enjoyed my coaching style or they appreciated me as their coach. But then I am been expected to like run payroll and get people's insurance and all this stuff and learning all these things and prior to opening the gym I had a really good couple of years because I was just a coach at a gym so I spent a lot of time growing as a coach and learning and studying and spent a ton of money upskilling myself in the last three years I haven't done any of that upskilling there but then my business vocabulary is huge now because I'm like balancing P&Ls and all this mad stuff which I never <laughs> thought I'd be doing but yeah. then that's kind of become the thing that we realize the importance of this and we always want to create an environment which is motivating and inspiring and and safe for people to come and train and you realize that you can do that regardless of who's in the gym like we open the gym with like 50 we sold out we give 50 original like uh memberships away to the first 50 people that signed up like honorary members for life and we filled that Alec like, immediately we had such a great following from the start And a lot of those people aren't around right now but that doesn't change who we are so we opened the gym and our values were this and they've evolved but they're pretty similar but there's a completely different set of people in the gym now well so like 50 percent different set of uh people in the gym now because the buys are super transient yeah but from day one, what we wanted to do to, to now, it's still the same. Like the plan's still the same. Create a safe training environment for people to work hard and have a good time.
2: Yeah. So the, the core identity of what you guys wanted to create is still there. But now it's just, like you said, device quite transient. Yeah. So different people come in and out. And there's so many gyms around here. It's, it's ridiculous. Like every year, I don't know, you probably know the numbers, but yeah. I, I hear about like 10, 20 new gyms that open every year. And oh, like, at least where's the space for for all this
1: it it did there was a time when we opened i think we got in there just at the right time because i think about a year after the afterwards the type of training we do that specific crossfit gyms that was the highest there's ever been and then a bunch of those have shut down in the the last couple years but just after we opened the market did get very saturated Mm. and i think it's gotten to a point now where the like I think COVID pushed a lot of people out, but I think it's gotten to the point where it's kind of like cleaned out a lot of the people that especially here is running a gym in like the US, for example, is you can set it, you can pay a very cheap rate, you can get equipment pretty cheap, you can run it with, I'm part of forums with gyms in the States where, they turn profit really easily but mm. their overheads are so low because or even in places like the uk and new zealand where i'm i know gym owners the overheads are nothing compared to what you pay for here you have to run it like a corporation here because yeah. your overheads are so high and then for us it's about running a business versus i don't get to enjoy the coaching side of it and the uh, and uh, interacting with people as much as i thought i was going to when i started it so that's kind of like when i retire and have my own small gym in New Zealand I don't have to worry about making all the money to yeah, be able to yeah, keep the yeah. lights on it's more just that I can enjoy the training side of it
2: yeah it sounds like you prefer the coaching side more than like the business 100% side. yeah for sure and <laughs>
1: then uh, there's people will say you like some people should just be coaches and stay coaches and everyone wants to go and be own a gym because it's the next progression And I'm I'm exactly that type of person I was like yeah I want to do my own training in this space I'm going to open my own gym And it's like, well, now I have to do all the business stuff, whereas I never wanted to do the business stuff. I love the coaching. I love being on the floor, coaching, helping people, writing programming. And that's what I love about it.
2: Yeah. Would you prefer if someone could, there was someone that could just run, you know, run it like as the CEO or more more from like the strategic side? 100%. And then you just take, you just like manage the entire, what the gym is and how it works and the coaching and the training.
1: Do totally. Yeah. For sure. And I'm sure there's people like, that would be doing stuff, and it takes me so long to do all this stuff, and thing. I'm not even very good at it. Whereas where I all my strengths and my experience, and my passion is coaching and, and writing programming, and, and and the kind of like business and development side of that. Not just delivering the coaching, but understanding how to write scalable programs which is revenue generating. But I spend a lot of my time working on business stuff, which is not a strength of mine.
2: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you man, you have 24 hours in a day. Your time's going right. to be split and pulled in so many different ways, especially if you're the business owner of the gym, but you love. The- <laughs> the coaching For side sure. as well i can imagine that it does take away from the time that you'd like to be spending doing those other absolutely things. um in terms of because what i've learned in my experience speaking to coaches and speaking to people in the fitness industry and athletes training is such a personal thing mm. like each person has their own needs has their own type of body type they have to eat a certain way so how do you because you said something interesting about scalable programs. so how do you create a scalable program that is s- super customizable to each individual
1: so we, when group sessions and we have a group program and I definitely do not believe that one program will, is the right fit for everybody. So if you have a room of 10 people, what the programming is for that day will probably be right for maybe 20% of the group. So like two people in that group, mm-hmm. this is the program they need to make to achieve their goals for the day. So what we try and create with the group program is enough variance with enough repeatability to prove that it's working. To cater to enough people's needs whilst being very broad, general, and inclusive. So, enough doses of strength training, enough doses of energy system train like cardio aerobic work enough doses of core work and accessory work to make sure everybody's getting kind of like the bare minimum of what everybody would need across this uh, week or two week span sure and we plot all that into eight week cycles which have a slightly different theme so for this week there's going to be a slight bias towards doing more strength work for example or there's going to be a slight bias towards doing more cardio work mm. and that way we're still ticking enough boxes that it caters to a, a mass Enjoy group it, yeah. yeah but then the, again this is a group service and if you look at the value of a group service is you're always going to pay less for a group service so you're trying to offer this really high value product in the program that ticks enough boxes but make it more affordable by turning it into a group model I see okay I think the most effective way to train is definitely working one on one so we offer we do group classes but then we also do um, individual training or personal training an individual program would be you're gonna come into the gym and I'm gonna tell you exactly what you need to do based on what your goals are, but also your strengths and weaknesses. So we'll do an assessment and be like, cool, you're lacking here, you're strong here, we need to work more on this and we'll this is what your program looks like. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely think that's the more appropriate way to go. A bespoke program based on what you're trying to achieve would be far more successful than a group program. Yeah. And what it comes down to is, are you motivated enough to do it on your own? Because if you turn up and you go, I'm gonna book in for the six o'clock session and there's gonna be 10 other people there pushing as hard as me and my friends are there, I'm gonna go and have fun doing that. Or I've got to stand in the corner because I know that's the thing that's going to be best for me. Yeah, But I'm going to have to have the motivation to get up and come and do it on my own. So I think that's the difference. That's the difference. Yeah. In,
2: your, in, in your gym, is it more, do you find there's more people that come for the individual train and train individually? Or is a big portion of it is group, the group, group classes? Mostly really? group, yeah. yeah.
1: And then, so I so said we have eight classes a day, um, up to 15 people per class. And I'd say there's probably a, maybe less than 10 people that do individual, or maybe less than 20 people that do individual stuff. So really? definitely the majority of of it is for the group training
2: why do you think the majority of people prefer group training because me personally when i go to the gym i like to go put my headphones on mm. not speak to anyone yeah, do my thing and sure. and get out but i know in dubai and i don't know if it, globally you definitely would know more but group classes have this thing about them that seem to attract a lot of people and i've never understood why one of the coaches said it's because some people see it as a social experience which mm. i thought i'm like that's interesting but also that People sometimes don't know what to do themselves. So, like, I'll come to a class, I'll, this guy will tell me exactly what to do, and I'll get a good workout. What do you think?
1: I think it is the social experience. Yeah. I definitely think what, what one of our uh, pillars, so base three, the three, and if you see our logo, it's got a triangle, and it's an equilateral triangle, and all points are, um, the there's three points of a triangle, so the three i'm trying to visualize it now okay. is uh, might I have it open and I then have, i had
2: it open here somewhere
1: our three things were performance which is training in the gym lifestyle which is all the other factors outside there the gym go. and then community um basically- no i know what it looks like i was just hoping other people could <laughs> No, see. so
2: other people can see it uh, there you go
1: so then the the three points were performance lifestyle and uh community and these represent training which is a performance lifestyle which is the sleep nutrition stuff and community which is the social engagement mm. and then for us is we've always strived to and we've been commended many times for having a strong community and it's people want to come in because they make friends in the gym or they want to push against people in the gym or there's mm. mo- it's motivating training next to someone who's going to work as hard as they are and that'll motivate you to train a little bit harder yeah and again it's that accountability if you don't turn up in the next day your friends are like, oh, where were you yesterday why didn't you come mm-hmm. and train yeah. versus if you're going to the gym on your own and doing it by yourself is you don't have that so you've true. got to be very disciplined to do it, and like That's I said, true. doing an individual program is far more effective for your training. But you have to be very disciplined, and not everybody is. Exactly. So it's kind of like that fun social thing, but also having the motivation to be able to go and do it on your own.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I wanted to come back to uh, you mentioned because you guys were you got into cro- you guys started the CrossFit thing quite early before you know kind of CrossFit exploded uh-huh. like all over the all over the UAE. Yeah. So what are the why has CrossFit become such a hot like topic like with gyms and stuff i've never personally understood it because it seems like it's a lot of weights but it's fast and whatever i don't i feel like but my, this is just my perception of it and you can please correct me I'm no, wrong it's i i don't know i just feel it's more hectic than it needs to be if if you get what i'm saying yeah i agree you know what i mean
1: and i agree and there's a lot of different like iterations of crossfit and there's like if you go to we are a crossfit licensed affiliate but we don't necessarily do CrossFit in our programming and in our group classes. We create a very similar system, but we have different priorities to... I mean, the definition of CrossFit is uh, functional movements, uh, constantly varied functional movements performed at high intensity across broad-time and domains, which is the definition of CrossFit. So by definition, if you're doing anything that has different types of movements and you're keeping very training, you're doing it with some intensity, which is loaded or doing something quickly, and then um, you're technically doing CrossFit. What, what separates a lot of gyms is the, the quality of the coaching and the mentality behind the coaching. CrossFit gets a really bad rap sometimes because it's like, just go as hard as you can and fast as you can and exactly. slam your head into a wall. Exactly, exactly. Which is not... It is wrong, but it's not... Not, not what CrossFit yeah. wanted it to be, but then if you look at the original programming of when CrossFit designed, it wasn't like that. It was like you do, maybe you're just going to do squats today, just heavy back squats, or you're just going to go for a run, mm. um, or it might be something where you're doing like loads of pull-ups and burpees and doing something really quick and really hectic. So it was designed to be different intensity can be it can be loaded it can be doing something fast it can be doing something long Mm. so i think it's just being people get hold of it and they want to do like crazy stuff all the time and we do crazy stuff in the gym we have a session on a friday and it's we were trying to push it as the hardest workout in dubai okay but then we'll do two days a week where we do really easy training to offset that because it's all about balance and if you try and go hard every day and be really hectic or overly hectic like you said you're going to end up injuring yourself exactly um and you're gonna, and one of our values is longevity. If you get hurt, you're not training. You can't train for as long. You're not going to make the progress you want to make in the gym. So we try and approach things with a little bit more balance. Uh, safety is important to us. Moving really well. We've got very qualified or very experienced coaches that have a really high expectations when it comes to movement. So okay. making sure if people are squatting. It's like don't just force people to squat below parallel if they're not moving correctly make sure they're bracing their core make sure they're mm. sitting back and down make sure their weight's distributed correctly through their feet make sure they're engaging the right muscles rather than just going yes you're going below parallel that's a good rep trying to get people our coaches to understand and get them to teach the members what good movement is yeah to make sure before they start going really fast or really heavy that they're moving correctly and that's more important
2: exactly and something i uh something you picked on which is uh the the technique Mm. of how to how to move correctly so i recently had uh a friend of mine who's an athlete and he runs with the olympic the uh national team for the uae nice and he was telling me how important technique is and how i didn't know i thought technique was just to get better but he's also like to reduce injuries Mm. introduce all those kind of things and i recently i think messed up my back in the gym as well so why is Tech why are the fundamentals always the most important things to get right? Is it because of those things or is it just so you can also not just injury but also push yourself as much as you as much as you can? Yeah, well
1: it's it's all those things, definitely. I mean injury prevention is probably the most important one. If you have a faulty movement pattern, even with running, if you're um when you run you should be running in a certain way and the let's say each foot should pass through a certain path if there's a weird deviation from that you're adding extra movements and using movement or muscles to do that movement that you shouldn't be using Mm. and that will create overuse injuries or if you're doing squats and you haven't got part of your body's not strong enough to hold you in that position and you default to a different movement or a different movement pattern that's going to create injuries because over time you're going to create a stiffness or a tightness where there shouldn't be a stiffness or a tightness so it's definitely that as well um I think there is an element of efficiency so if I for example if I have really horrible running technique it's going to be more tiring because it's going to become more taxing because I'm I have to put more effort into cover more range of motion than I need to so if I was going to like run 5k of really horrible technique or I was going to run 5k of really smooth easy technique I'd be more efficient and that would allow me to improve my performance more um, because I'm not spending energy wasting it into bad movement patterns I'm being efficient so definitely is a performance element to technique as well
2: yeah yeah one hundred percent. and one thing that I was thinking about is is it important to um, consistently be changing up your workout so for me for example I've been on the same program for about three years and in my mind I was like okay, as long as I'm improving, as long as I'm getting stronger, this seems to be working for me. But I also hate cardio mm. with a with a burning with a burning <laughs> passion. But I know, and I've been learning, and recently I'm starting to understand how important that is. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm lifting a weight. Why cardio is not going to help me lift this weight? But if I'm trying to make a run, it's definitely going to help me. So, yeah, what's your i guess mentality or mindset behind like all that kind of stuff like cardio and changing workouts and all that kind of stuff i
1: guess it depends on the goal because okay. so one of the principles of crossfit is constantly varied and it and from like an untrained eye it would look random like oh why are you doing this today that has nothing to do with what you did yesterday yeah and the principle behind it is the body wouldn't adapt if you did the same thing over again just going to adapt to that movement you're not going to make physiological changes you're not going to get fitter you just got better at that exercise for example if I did 60 kilo bench presses every day I get really good at 60 kilo bench presses that doesn't necessarily mean I got stronger whereas if I did like bench presses and flies and push-ups and use different exercises I would get stronger across a, a broader range of movements and I would likely improve my 60 kilo bench press whereas if I just stuck to the same movement I'm just going to get better at that movement interesting okay. now on the flip side of that there is definitely something to be said for repeating like uh, the thing you want to improve mm. more frequently so for example if i'm gonna run a marathon i'm not gonna if i don't do any running i'm not gonna get better at running a marathon so there is something to be said for doing what you want to get better over and over again um and if you we've i've worked with people before and i actually listened to the same story on a podcast yesterday about how if you if you were trying to improve one certain area of your fitness let's say it's like I want to get better at back squats if I'm trying to fix the back squats in order to fix the back squats I just tried like every single thing all the time and constantly trying to try different things because it's not working so you try something else and then all of a sudden, it fixes your back squat. You don't know what fixes the back squat. Versus if it's yeah. like, I'm gonna keep one thing the same. I'm just gonna try. Maybe I'm gonna vary one part of it, but the the principle, the fundamental of the program is gonna remain the same. Like say, I'm always gonna do back squats, and I'm gonna do different accessory work mm. to make sure my back squat gets better. You can probably say doing more back squats got you better at back squats. Yeah, so there's definitely some benefit to to some repetition in the program.
2: Yeah, so it's, re- it's repetition and but with some variation to understand what's The thing that's going to make you get that extra improvement, the extra thing. But something said that's super interesting that if I just did 60 kilo uh, bench presses, which is what I do, ironically, you're not going to get stronger and i'm like what how how does that make sense (laughs) i didn't know that i'd have to incorporate like other different maybe types of exercises that are going to benefit me on that i thought if i just keep doing this over time it will get stronger so i thought that was really interesting that you have to vary it up in that way yeah
1: and then if you look at the the best bench presses in the world it'd be powerlifters yeah and they they bench press they just bench press for their powerlifting, but they have like 15 different variations of bench press. They do like to boards with bands, with chains, and there's a lot of different variations. So it's still the same movement, but there's still some variance there to make sure they're adapting. Yeah. Because if you only did the same bench press the whole time and no variations, you'd just get better at that bench press and then your ceiling for growth would be smaller.
2: Yeah, okay. That's super interesting. I had no idea that you had to vary it up in that way. Yeah. Something to keep in mind. Definitely got to know that. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to ask you about you're since you've been in the industry in the fitness industry here for so long and as you know it's like there's gyms everywhere there's coaches everywhere there's all this kind of stuff what's your view on the industry in the uae how what are your thoughts about it <sighs> um
1: it's it's definitely getting better i think yeah. the the quality of qualifications you can do here for a start is there's way more offerings than there ever has been like you the amount of um fitness professionals that come into the country and access to professionals that you have here is we've never experienced anything like this like you can do um all sorts of seminars now with really really intelligent coaches um i think the increase in the demand because there have been so many gyms and again this probably would have been maybe five years ago maybe maybe even longer there was a lot of people that were fit and knew how to work out that didn't want to work corporate jobs anymore or a recession hit and they lost their job and they're, well I'm fit, I can make some quick cash I just start training people on the side. So mm. they turn now, they get their uh, real simple PT set and all of a sudden they're coaches now. And then we all get painted with the same brush. Like I've been doing this for 13 years and I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on my education and experience and hours of practicing how to train people safely. And this guy's been doing it for two minutes and he paid like a thousand dirhams for his (laughs) certificate. And now we're both coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it used to be a lot like that. and I think it's gotten better. I think it's almost like those guys didn't survive. And Mm. I think lockdown flushed a lot of them out, um, the whole COVID scenario. And I think the more experienced, the better coaches for lack of a better word will survive and the the cream will rise to the top if you like cuz people will slowly start to become more educated and understand that this guy doesn't actually know anything and it really grates me and I shouldn't bitch about this but there's when you see people that have like huge followings on social media sure and they they look the part and all their branding's awesome and, and then you see their clients move or you see the way they move it's just like you move horribly and mm. it may look like yeah they're just doing a squat what's wrong but then their feet are turning in their knees are all over the place they've got really poor movement patterns and it's just like you clearly don't know what you're doing but yet people are listening to you and to me it's annoying because it's dangerous and i care like i care if that or if someone's going to go and pay you money to train with you they're paying they're going to get hurt then it's a disservice and i feel like there's definitely a lot of those around still probably less than there was but i think there's better access to more education here and there's more experience and more qualified coaches here than there ever has been really so the industry is definitely on the rise on the rise Yeah. and it's like i think the buy was just kind of late to the party i think if you look at like la and sydney are probably the pioneering cities for in terms of fitness um like innovation Dubai is quickly caught up, like in typical UA fashion, is quickly yeah. caught up to that. And the this, is, like I said, there's been some really interesting seminars that I've attended here of people that you wouldn't get in most places in the world.
2: Yeah, is a, is I feel the fi, fi, everyone in the fitness community here kind of knows each other. Was that was yeah, that true? It's very yeah. tight. Yeah, it's very, a very tight. Is it is it large? Is it small?
1: It's large, um, but I think it's 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 a big. There's a lot of people and there's a lot of gyms and there's a lot of coaches. But I think it's a very small community. Okay. Yeah, I think you're like one degree of separation from anybody from, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I like I know of people that I've never met that I could go and speak to tomorrow just because I know they're in the same circle, even though I've never spoke to them. Yeah. I mean, look at us. This came through Tarek, that came yeah, through yeah, athlete exactly. that uh from Madden Nutrition Sorry. So yeah. it's like you can definitely and one thing is I really appreciate being here in the fitness industry is I've had like a gymnastics coach, a weightlifting coach, a nutrition coach, all these different things. Um, I've got friends that are physios. I've got friends that do all sorts. I've got friends that are sleep doctors. I've got all these con- uh, connections that I've made here because it's such a melting pot. That if I was just in like my hometown in the UK, I'd probably maybe know like one physio. Mm. So mm-hmm. being here has become such a hub for fitness and a global hub that there is that melting pot of a lot of different um, experts that you do have access to. So that's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's. I think one one thing about, like you said, it is a melting pot, and you do have access to quite a lot of people in different areas of talent and expertise and so on like like you said correctly like physio sleep doctors all that kind of stuff but one thing also about dubai is like you said it's a large community but it's also quite small mm. and i think Especially when, I, in, my, in my mind, as a coach, like, your your credibility is super important. Yeah. Especially in those kind of circles. Because if you're in that industry, you need to be a credible source. Otherwise, people are going to... And people who know, like yourself, who understand what a real coach is and what coaching is, are going to are be able to sniff you out pretty yeah, quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think so. Um, and i'd like to see that happen more and i'd like to see customers be more aware of like i feel like people come to our gym who have been at other gyms and they're doing like squats for example i'm like and they're like, oh yeah i went i've done this at this gym for two years and they come in and they've got really bad movement patterns or like they're like borderline it's dangerous to watch a move and we're like, like uh, oh yeah, what are yeah. you doing and whereas people from our gym i'm sure if they went to another gym 'd be really they'd be like oh you move really well because we have very high movement standards and obviously there's the anomalies that some people just move really poorly because of their mechanics whatever but for the most part is people should be able to identify what is good quality training and you can identify coaches experience or at least their kind of integrity by how well looking at their the members move if you turn up at the gym and everyone looks like they're in pain all the time and looks really uncomfortable moving then the coach probably isn't taking great care of that group okay
2: so let me ask you this question so you're a coach so and you have all the experience so you could sniff out or you could tell who's a good coach who's a bad coach right so before i get there's two questions so first what makes a good coach in in your words what do you what do you define as a good
1: coach just care care you've just got to give a shit like if you if you care you'll invest more time you'd like especially when you're doing group stuff is it's really easy if you've taught like four hours in a row in your fourth hour someone isn't doing something 100% correct just to be like ah it's good enough and move on because you don't care enough whereas like all of our coaches who were like nope stop fix that like try a little bit harder you can do better than that and push to get more out of people and that just shows that if you've got coaches that will do that they'll probably follow up with you they haven't seen you for a week they'll probably check in and make sure you're sleeping and your food's on point and you're probably going to make better progress you'll be safer and you'll be able to train for longer and be healthier mm. so i definitely just think it's that coaches that care, coaches that, that care. that's and it's hard to know when you're getting into a relationship with a coach if they care but that's what i would say makes a good coach someone who genuinely cares about their people they're working with okay so now
2: let's flip it and look at it from a client's
1: perspective because
2: like you said there's coaches everywhere and they say like he'll have a pt1 certification but you've invested thousands of dollars and you have a much higher level of certification but i'm a customer i don't know i want to join the gym what advice would you give me when i'm starting to look for a coach that, yeah. I, haven't, that I haven't met before how sh- what should i be looking for
1: don't be fooled by their instagram page first thing but i okay. think that goes for all industries is yeah. like fitness industry is very visual so people want to blow up their instagram page and be like six pack out mm. and loads of followers loads of likes is don't don't be fooled by that like a lot of people who i think the best coaches Aren't the ones that are flaunting themselves all over Instagram? Um, they're the better coaches are ones that are talking about their customers on Instagram. For example, um, better coaches it's your initial interaction most gyms will allow you to come for a trial most gyms or if you get in contact you're a genuine lead you're actually interested or most coaches will offer some sort of either trial or consultation and i think that's the only point you can gauge it because someone could be like bs in their instagram and making it look like they're authentic as hell but they might not be and likewise someone may be really poor on social media just because they're not tech savvy but they're a great coach so you shouldn't judge that get your first interaction through either a trial or uh, a consultation if it's a one-on-one coach. And then just how did they make you feel during that session? Did you believe that they had your best interest at heart? Did they care about what you were saying? Were they listening to you? Like, I've really enjoyed this because you've been asking really great questions and I can tell that you're listening if you went to a pt and they you were like my goal is this and like okay cool and what kind time can you train mm. versus you were like oh my goal is this and you're like okay well if your goal is that then we we'll probably want to look at doing this yeah. how how can you do that and yeah. how do they make you feel do you have a good connection with that person do you believe that they have your best interest at heart yeah. and you can get that from a group environment as well if you have a trial or a group environment did you was it just turn up jump into class or did they check Cool. have you got any injuries what's your training experience are you okay with this mm. bathrooms are over there like let me know if you need anything if you feel comfortable in that environment then give them a try
2: yeah and do you think because uh, what i think is also super interesting so someone at your level as well and people like even athletes who have all the experience and the ability to coach they also have oh they also have coaches yeah which i think is super interesting why yeah. is it do you have a coach yourself?
1: Not currently, but I have before many times. Yeah. So yeah. what's
2: the reason, so what's the reason that a coach has a coach?
1: Everyone needs accountability, right? And there's what we're talking about earlier with, like, if your goal is to lose five kg and you're in the reason you want to lose five kg is to look better for your spouse, then you need someone to help you lose that five kg. If you're a coach, you might, you're, you might have the same training goal or it might be like a business coach. For example, a lot mm. of coaches that I know and respect have business mentors as well as fitness coaches as well. And there's always someone better than you there's always someone that knows a little bit more than you has 100%. a bit more experience and yeah. it's just we need that accountability as well It's like I've got a, a a mentor and accountability coach that I have to submit business metrics to every week to make sure I'm doing my work on time and that comes from I sought this guy out because it comes from me wanting to get better at running my business so I've got someone who's got a bit more experience in that field that can help me, guide me to work in towards that, same way you would for a fitness coach
2: Okay, oh, that's that's actually no, that makes that makes a lot of sense and something you've said a couple of times today which I think is super important is the accountability man, mm-hmm. it's that being accountable to yourself but also like you said when you have a mentor or you have a coach it just like doubles down on that because yep. you know you have those lazy days and, yeah. stuff. and one thing, this is something that I've been thinking about, and I personally don't know the answer to, but maybe a coach can give me a bit of a, more of advice. You know how they say you should always listen to your body? Yeah. You know what I mean? So let's say you didn't get a good sleep, you're going mm-hmm. to a gym, but you have like a really heavy workout that that is planned to do, but you but you're not feeling it. So mm. the question becomes, should you do it? But also... That kind of can play against you because you'd be like, if I'm waking up, you might be feeling a bit lazy and like, oh yeah, my body can't do it. Do you know what I mean? So how do you like really understand when's like I really can and like I really can't?
1: I'd say if, and again, it depends on who you are and what your goals are. If you're uh if it's your uh, career, like you're a professional athlete, yeah. you don't have you don't get to have days of that. You've got to train like six days a week, you yeah. have to whether you feel like it or not. Sure. If it's if there's not that much riding on it, it doesn't really matter if you miss a day of the gym, if you genuinely feel like you can't do it today. Like I was yeah. supposed to train today. I'm pretty tired, I'm probably not gonna train now. Yeah. I mean, if if it's really important to you, do something, do if you have to you feel guilty if you don't, go and do something easy. If you're not feeling it and it's not gonna change your life too much, like missing one session is not gonna do too much for you. Yeah. So just skip it. I mean, um, if it's multiple days in a row, (laughs) then question whether you're being lazy. Yeah, exactly. But then if you're if you generally understand why 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 am I going to the gym? Why am I paying for a gym membership? Why am I making myself go for all this pain of being sore from working out? That that's a lot of sacrifice you've gotta make. You better have a good reason why. And then if you're you wake up and you're like, Why do I need to go to the gym again? and it's like i have this reason why i want to go to the gym it's like yeah i'm still pretty sore and if that doesn't motivate you to get over it and you're and it's because you're genuinely tired versus being lazy then mm. you'd know pretty soon and if it's like three days in a row you're like yeah now i'm just being lazy yeah
2: yeah <laughs> yeah. no that's true i think that's a very very good point one thing that i i think my biggest struggle has always been is and still is is nutrition now okay. i don't I don't think personally I eat bad for the most part. Yeah. On the weekends, there's slutty Saturdays, so you know, we have, you know, we go out, we have like a nice little burger or like whatever. Yeah. But during the week I try to be pretty good, but I feel it's not good enough, <laughs> you know what I mean? For what I want and what I'm trying to do. So how do you start or what advice would you give either myself or other people when it comes to your nutrition? I know protein is super important, yeah. but Getting that much protein that you need because it's quite a lot. Like even with a shake, it's still a lot of protein that you kind of have yeah. to intake, right? And
1: I mean, um, everything I say now is just my opinion. I'm yeah. a yeah. I'm not a nutritionist, and B, there's so many different um, kind of th- views on what's right, what's wrong. Yeah. But I think finding something that's sustainable is really important because if you say right, you have to eat this many grams of protein, just say to yourself, it's hard to hit that amount of protein or even just the act of counting and tracking your macros is I've never done it and I will refuse to do it just because I know it's never going to be sustainable to me. Um, Whereas some people about you have to track if you don't know what you're consuming, you're never going to make progress, which I also agree with that side of it. So I think for me, it's important that you find a a way of eating, whether it's a particular type of diet or a tracking method or something that is sustainable, because if you're going to do it for two weeks and then stop doing it, what's the point in doing it for two weeks? You've got to find a method that works for you. I think most people blow out on the weekends too hard and that's where they yeah, lose it because you can be a saint for five days and if your goal is to lean out a little bit in the next five days you're going to eat to do that and then for like two days you blow out on the weekend your average intake for the wheat is going to be above what you needed to be anyway exactly exactly so there's a lot like there's so many diets now there's like keto and there's paleo and there's all these different ones but then they all come down to basically just calorie deficits if you're exactly. if well again this is if you want to lean out if you were trying to gain weight you'd do the opposite right you'd yeah. go into a surplus so I guess it just something that works and we, you said it before it's every individual is different so what yeah. I would say would work for me probably won't work for everybody else for like sure. I know that if I And the other thing as well is most people probably don't eat enough. And I think a lot of people, especially if you have uh, a performance-based goal versus an aesthetic goal, is there's so many bodily functions that you need to, your body needs to do every day, that you need a certain amount of calories, like your base intake of calories covers detoxification and brain function and organ function, all this basic stuff. That costs my body like whatever, arbitrary number, like 500 calories a day just to do that. Then I've got to be awake for 16 hours and I've got to exercise so I'm now I'm talking like two thousand five hundred just to get through my day. It's actually really hard to eat that much. Yeah. So most people probably undereat, and if you're not ticking off all these bodily functions, you're never going to recover for genes. So you're never going to make progress. So one of the biggest mm. mistakes I see people make is not eating enough because they go too restrictive. I see. But again, I'm not nutritionist. Don't put, don't come <laughs> on that
2: No, that's fine, but it's actually super interesting that you said that people eat too little. I always think I either because i can go a day like okay i haven't had much food today and then like dinner i'll have a decent meal but in my head i'm like i don't know i still feel like i <laughs> ate too much or maybe i'm eating too much of the wrong things but i don't know i think it's just it's just a learning process
1: the popular one at the moment is intimate and fast that's been around for a while where people yeah. eat between a restricted time window and again it's the same thing you're just restricting the amount of time you have to eat a day versus yeah. if i could eat all day i'm going to eat more but yeah. if i can only eat between 2 and 8 p.m the chance i'm going to eat less
2: yeah no that's true
1: and again yeah I guess you live and learn, man. Yep. You live and learn. What are you going to do?
2: Um, when it comes to... Um, I, I saw you did the um, the Battle Fitness Festival, I think, a few yep. years back. How was that experience? Because that's a competition, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that competition. It looked really like, intense.
1: For... Full- That level of competition, so you've got the the Dubai CrossFit Championship here, which is like the pinnacle of competition, one of the best competitions in the world. I've got a cool story about how that started, if you want to hear. Yeah, please. Um, But the Battle Fitness Festival is the biggest competition in the region for like the next tier down. So it's kind of like amateur level athletes. This is how we got a bunch of guys. And again, it's, it's really fun. It's a team competition. And we had a really good representation from the gym uh, the last time it was on and the time before. And it's so we had like 28 guys from our gym fly to Kuwait and give up their weekend. to be, And these guys have full-time jobs. We're not professional athletes. So it was awesome to see those guys come up and fly our flag and go to Kuwait. And, and we do it. We love it. It's kind of like the highlight of our year. We love going there. We love doing the competition. It's run really well. It's organized really well. The workouts are always fun. It's always a good vibe when you go over there. Um, and that's a team one. And it's more of a, I'm by no means a competitive athlete whatsoever it's fun for me like i would rather spend time coaching people than working out working out is just kind of something I had to do with my people at my gym yeah um but it's a really cool opportunity for people to experience competition we've got guys that had been training for just a couple of months and have never done a competition before and was still able to go and be on the floor with some really great athletes and That's have awesome. an amazing experience and those guys do a really good job yeah um the the, the, the by crossfit championship story is so i've been the head judge of that competition for the last three years so oh, I to really? meet some of the and meet and judge some of the best athletes in the world at this event and the guy who and it's uh it's been it's become literally one of the most popular fitness events in the world because of Sheikh Majid putting so much effort into promoting it and mm. funding it and doing a great job at pushing it. And the support from the local crew that um, run that event and organise that event has done wonders for CrossFit as a as a hobby and a sport in this country. And that's probably why it's grown so much here. Mm. Um and one of the the guys who founded it, he said to me once he used to be my coach years back, so we're talking like ten years ago now. And he said to me one day, I remember we were on the beach training, and he said, "I'm gonna, I've got an idea, I'm gonna present it to the shake." And at the time he didn't know the shake. He's, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna present this idea, and it's gonna be an event that rivals the CrossFit Games, which is the ultimate CrossFit competition. Mm. And I was like whatever man like, yeah yeah he, sure he, sure <laughs> and then sure enough like four years later he met the shake he got introduced to him he presented this idea they started doing the events on the ice rink and it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew and, it grew. and now it is one of the biggest crossfit events in the world so props to that guy
2: yeah props to that yeah. guy i love when people set a goat like such an it sounds audacious and then yeah. you hit it and you're like oh okay oh, oh sure, he it's did actually it actually possible <laughs> yeah it's actually possible how's it being a judge on that i feel you must, it must be so difficult because everyone must be such a Ugh. Good in terms of technique because you're you're looking at the top 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 Dude, guys. it's crazy. So it's like must be minuscule, like yeah. little things.
1: And like head and head judging, it's fun it's fun but it's super stressful yeah, I can so imagine. when you're when you're just judging your counting the guys that's stressful because you're th- like a lot of the guys that do crossfit i uh, say guys from my gym that like, go and offer to volunteer and judge they'll be watching and you just know the whole time don't mess this up don't mess us up don't. because there's like <laughs> mad money riding on it if this guy trips that's going to cost him like ten thousand dollars or something yeah, so yeah. it's like crazy so he's like don't mess up don't mess up and that's really stressful but then the the whole weekend when you're when I'm head on is just like anxiety from day like from start to finish, and then as soon as you finish, you're like oh, we made it and nothing went horribly wrong because it's just the, you're just waiting. I'm sure it's like with any event or yeah, any big yeah. event is like you're just waiting for something to go on. You've got to put that fire out one yeah, at a time, exactly. but it runs really smoothly. And everybody says, "Oh man, the event looked like it went really smoothly." I'm like, "Really?" Because behind the scenes, it was chaos. So, <laughs> That's
2: so funny. I can imagine. This. I can imagine that being such a stressful experience. Oh, dude. But congrats for making it happen man. well right, done yeah. Well the, done the on the team's
1: strong as I run a very small part of it and I'm very lucky to be involved in it and it's an amazing experience to be able to do that but then there's like I'm like the head of one team there's mm. another guy's ahead head of another team another guy's head of a team and it's just a, it's the same organizing team every year and it's just become a very good team Yeah, yeah. so they're not doing it this year because of COVID, COVID so hopefully yeah, next sense. year it comes back bigger
2: yeah that's awesome that's awesome hopefully it does hopefully yeah, it man. does I saw. Uh, I was speaking to talk earlier, and he told me you did this uh, like the, this breath work with a guy called uh, Benoit something. Yeah, yeah, and he did, and he, he lives lived, right here. Really? Yeah. No way. He's over the street. from you. <laughs> no yeah. way. And he's 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 a guy who teaches the the Wim Hof method. Correct. Right. So how was? Oh, dude. So I've watched his like Wim Hof on like podcasts, yeah. and I've heard about thing. And in my mind, it, I listened to it, and I've seen like the success. I've seen so many videos of people, and it's worked. How was that experience Dude. Like for you? Is it, I feel it just changes your mind of what your body is capable of just by crazy. how you breathe.
1: Crazy. It was crazy. I, so my wife, Emily, she's really into, she got into the Wim Hof stuff, but she's all into like this kind of breathing work and movement and, and health. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take home. And it was kind of a surprise thing. I didn't realize it was three hours long. So okay. I was like, look, I'm sorry. It's three hours long. If you don't want to get it, I understand. She's like, yeah, I've got a bunch of stuff to do. I won't make it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go because I want to meet the guy anyway. So I kind of set up for her. Okay. But I'm going to go because the guy seems super interesting. So I went and he's just like this Swiss dude, just like super chilled, like doesn't really like make a big deal about being there. We're just in his garden over the street, literally in his villa. And he, um, he's like, oh, yeah, well, should we do some like stuff? Over? So we start breathing. And the two things that really hit me, mm. uh, and it's a three-hour workshop. And this guy's amazing, I'm telling you. And the first thing we did is you, you exhale all of your breath. So you breathe out completely and you hold it for as long as you can. And I was like, I'm looking around the group and there's like nine other people there. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, the people are pretty fit. But I know I work out, so I'm probably pretty good at this. I probably got good like cardio. I can do this. And I said like 20 seconds, no, 19 seconds. I was really? the first one to like put my hand up. And he's like, put your hand up when you need a breath and I'll show you the time. So it was 19 seconds. I was the first one to stop. And all these other guys were like up to a minute. We go through a bunch of breathing drills for 15 minutes. We do the breath test again. I helmet breath for two and a half minutes. What? Yeah.
0: In 15
1: minutes? Went from 20 seconds to two and a half minutes. That's incredible. It was crazy. Wow. And you go through all these like Wim Hof breathing drills and, <laughs> and all this mad stuff. And then you're like, your fingers are tingling and the guy's just like guiding you through it. It's like your hands might feel a bit numb. Your feet might be tingling. Your face is probably going a bit, you're a bit lightheaded. That's okay. Accept it. da. da, da, da. I was like wow I was blown away I could not believe it the difference it made in 15 minutes it was crazy Yeah. and then the next one was we did the ice bath so we get in the ice bath and everyone you're supposed to do two minutes on your first go Um. so did the two minutes and I got in this ice bath and I'm not good with cold water I can't even take cold showers I, I've lived I, here yeah, too long it's yeah. just like <laughs> I'm not used to it so I, I knew I was going to be terrible at it <laughs> So I get in the ice and I'm like, oh, 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 like panicking, breathing, hyperventilating. And he's like, look at me, look at me. Like he grabs my attention for like 20 seconds. I was panicking. I was like, I have to get out. This is not going to work. Yeah. And I was anxious before going in. And he's like catching my attention. Like, look at me, look at me. He's like clicking. He makes eye contact and he stares you straight in the eye. He's like, hold your breath and then breathe out. And he counts my breath out, 10, 9. And by the time I get to one, I breathe out. My body just relaxes. And he smiles because he knows I've made it. And he's like and then he just relaxes and smiles and then you relax and you're like okay I can do this and you sit there two minutes he gets you out and then you've got to go again and this time when you go again you can do it for as long as you like now I was like yeah I don't want to go again (laughs) because it's freezing and it was I got over it the two minutes was okay I got out and it took me like 10 minutes to warm up and he's like run around do some like star jumps and stuff Mm -hmm. like try and get your body warm and I was like yeah I don't want to do this again yeah so I got in and he's like, This time you'll be fine. You won't panic. It'll be easy. So I get in and I no panic breaths this time. Okay. Calm down, get into a breathing pattern. And then he talks me through like I, I so he does NLP. So I okay, I nice. maybe he was trying to distract me. Because yeah. he was like, Where do you feel any pain? Like kind of like the ice is it causing any pain? Like your fingers, your knees, your foot. I'm like, Yeah, I feel something on my small toe on my uh on my left foot. He's like, Okay, so he keeps talking to me. He's like, Okay, take the pain and move it to the next toe across yeah okay move the pain to the next toe across and move it and okay, now he just works his way through he's like and over the course of like a minute he's like okay move it up your shin put it in your knee uh, and then let go of it and i'm like what the hell and there was like no pain Really? it completely went and the pain wasn't like he's like do you have any injuries in your body and i think i think the ice will like accentuate any pain you've mm. got so then afterwards i'm asking i was like man that was crazy about the whole pain thing he's just like yeah it was all in your head I'm like, whoa. (laughs) It was awesome. That's crazy. Absolutely awesome. So yeah, I'm definitely going to go back for sure.
2: Yeah. Uh, Do you think that kind of, I feel that kind of, Like, if you can develop that technique quite well, it can have such a huge impact on training as well if you can control your breath in that way. 100%. you think it'll help you push harder? For sure.
1: I mean, there's definitely going to be physiological, like, breathing adaptations you'll get from being able to cycle oxygen and and expel CO2 quicker. So there's definitely going to be uh, a cardio improvement for sure. But then I think even just having a better understanding of... Um we do some breath work like that in the gym. Like we'll make people uh go on like a stationary bike for example and you're only allowed to use nose to nose breathing so you can't breathe through your mouth. And it feels like um a little uncomfortable because mm. just like there's almost that you can't breathe out of your mouth mm-hmm. if you need to but it's to do with controlling your nervous system and flipping between parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system and using different parts of your brain. And Benoit explains it very well. He's talking about if, for example, you're in a high stress situation, the classic example is you're getting chased by a tiger. Is you go into fight or flight mode and you start breathing really heavy, I've got to go and survive Mm -hmm. versus if you're just calm and relaxed, you pull it through to the front of your brain. And he explains it way better than I just did. And it's just the state where you can relax. So then things like stress don't affect you as much and being able to control your emotions and control your anxieties and that's probably more of a powerful impact
2: wow that sounds awesome dude it
1: was i would highly recommend it. yeah i think i might have to check it out i went on saturday morning i just went and then um everyone i spoke to literally i've spoke told everyone i can i'm like you have to do it you have to do (laughs) it for sure the guy's awesome i I
2: definitely will get the details from him after you for this because that sounds super interesting i think i think more than anything i just like it just to change my perspective on what can i actually do I think that's what I really like about this whole like concept and everything.
1: And it was, the, there was one, there was a, an Emirati guy there and a younger guy. And he he was very confident before. He's like, I'm going to do over two minutes. And he got in and he couldn't take it. <laughs> and he was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. So he grabs him and he pushes him back in the water. And I'm like, You can't do that to locals. What are you doing? <laughs> and then um, the guy's, uh he pushes him in and he slaps him. He's like, Look at me. And the guy's, I can't let me out. I can't, I can't. And the guy's fighting to get out. And he pushes him back down. And he's like, he slaps him and throws war in his face. He's like, Look at me, look at me. And then the guy's like, no, I can't. He's like, breathe out. And he controls him. And then he's taking his hands off him. So the guy could get out, but the guy stays in the water. And he's like, look at me, breathe out. And again, do two more. Wow. And the guy was just sat there in the water. And it was, this guy was panicking, like, hey, I can't do this. I'm out. I'm, I, I can't do it. Yeah. And he stayed in there for two minutes. Wow. And like, and so he's a, he's a life coach and he practices NLP. So I guess he read the guy and understood how far he oh, could push yeah. him and, and whatnot and read the situation very well. But to see that was as interesting to see this guy freaking out and being able to go from like 30 seconds. I can't do this to sitting there and just chilling for another minute. and a half. Yeah. yeah. Wow.
2: That's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> really, that sounds so cool. I definitely need to check that out. Um, and literally you, you can walk. It's right there. He's right? on Monaro street on the other side. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, Craig, today has been amazing. I really love talking Thank to you, you and man. enjoyed our conversation. Just got a last few questions for you. For sure. So, one of them is some is a what I'm curious about and I think a lot of people could learn from from what you think what you think. What are the keys to building your fitness? Is it purely cuz when I think fitness, I think cardio. That's all I think about. But uh-huh. maybe I'm thinking about that wrong cuz when you talked earlier, you talked about how fitness is a much more holistic thing about yeah. nutrition, about sleep, about training. So, what would you say are the basics or the key things to, for anyone to start building their fitness?
1: I think there's definitely, uh, it's it's everything, man. So you've got to, I think any good training program will involve some sort of cardio training, some sort of resistance training. So any type of body weight or, or weights training and then movement practice. And what I mean by movement practice is just either mobility or flexibility work. So taking parts of, endurance programs of strength programs and like a yoga program and taking the parts of that that are beneficial to each individual would probably make the best well-rounded approach to being what fit. i would call fit, fit, fit. but okay. i definitely think it depends on what the person's goal is if you want to be and i say fitness i just mean working out so sure. if you, yeah. you want to if your goal is just to get insanely jacked and really strong then fitness for you would probably not be loads of cardio work so yeah. you probably lift, do more weightlifting. yeah yeah. But yeah for me it'd be make sure you've got um some sort of endurance piece some sort of strength piece and some sort of movement or mobility piece in there, okay, and I yeah. think for the most part you you 'd be sweet,
2: yeah, I think I think that's that's great advice, and <clears throat> I definitely need to start incorporating the other things that you talked about, like uh, definitely mobility and flexibility i 'm literally like a fucking rock, I have nothing i can't move can 't do anything, so that <laughs> definitely needs to add some of that stuff um, and what 's your vision for the future? What would you like to accomplish in the next five years? Is it with base or what what, what are your goals
1: um, I want to take. What we've created with Base, or or similar to what we've created with Base online, I think there's definitely. So when we opened Base, we wanted to have a thousand members, and that was an arbitrary goal. Like we just want to grow to to a thousand people, and that was never for like because that would make us so much money. It was always to have maximum reach. Yeah. And then you're limited unless you're online. And now it's so accessible to get online that I'm like, we need to get online because then we can reach more people. So we've started a program uh, which we're kind of like beta at the moment in the gym, which we want to take online, which is more of a competitive fitness, I'm like more of a CrossFit program that I want to be my full-time gig. I want to be able to, mm. in five years, be able to sit on a hill in New Zealand in my house and then just program for people online. And, yeah. and, and I'll always be in fitness. Like yeah. even if I end up doing like corporate, which I could never imagine. I'd always have some tie to fitness. Some fitness, yeah. For sure. It's just
2: what you love. It's yeah. just what you're passionate about. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. And why don't you tell everyone about uh, the podcast as well? For, yep. for guys who don't know, Craig also has a podcast. Yep. So tell us what the base podcast is all about and what's your vision for it?
1: We we have 86, 87 episodes. We do an episode a week and there is, we have a health and fitness podcast. So okay. we're basically just trying to have conversations with people in and out of the industry that can add value to our membership uh, ideally which is uh, the members of base three and we want to grow that and turn that into something that has again a bigger reach is we we want to i want to impact as many people as i can but i think if you cast the net too wide you're going to be limited to how much of an impact you can have on a certain people yeah so we want to we want to grow the podcast and we want to grow our online presence and we want to grow base but we want to make sure that that connection to people is always quality
2: yeah so really targeted to that the communities that you're reaching out to and the ones that you want to help influence and impact yeah for sure that totally makes sense man i wish you the best of luck with it appreciate it uh craig this has been an amazing conversation man. thank you man. Thank, thank you for your time and for coming on the podcast the question i always ask every guest at the end is what is a message that you'd like the people to take home with them today
1: just look after yourself like especially now when you talk when you look at what's happening with the world is um you just need to look after yourself like do some sort of physical activity make sure you're eating well what you consider well and getting enough sleep like you look after your body and your body will look after you
2: Ah, i love that (laughs) (laughs) that sounded so cheesy as i was saying i was like don't go there but no no no, i like that remember that Craig, thanks so much for your thanks, time, brother. Man. I really appreciate it, guys. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it, and as always, hope it helps. Peace.